0: All right, folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the uh, the Sacramento Kings, not the San Antonio Spurs, the Sacramento Kings final score, 113-106. This was a really, really strong victory for Denver, and it's one that I'm actually... I might be more impressed with them in this one, because this is kind of what I've been calling for this workmanlike atmosphere, this ability to kind of come back from, okay, didn't start off the game off well, that's fine. keep working your way back, stay attached, and then when you find your opportunity within the flow of the game, don't waste it. don't uh, just sit around and, and hope that that happens. Denver locked in a little bit on defense. They didn't allow the, t- the easy shots. They made things a little bit more tough for the Kings as the game went along. And lo and behold, that yields some pretty great results for Denver. They allowed 23 points in that fourth quarter, and they scored 34 themselves, leading to a seven-point win, separating them in clutch time a little bit. Denver got away from the Kings, kept them at an arm's length for much of the clutch, And even though the Kings, specifically De'Aaron Fox, made some pretty impressive plays down the stretch, it sort of felt like the Nuggets just had control at that point. And that's a really exciting prospect, I think, because it tells me that the Nuggets are kind of finding themselves. They are finding what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to turn it on, and how they can continue to improve as as a team, as a unit but it's got to center around the three top players on the roster right now. Actually, well, I can't just say that because Aaron Gordon wasn't there. Aaron Gordon has been fantastic for a long time. He did sit out this game in his place, started Zeke Naji because the Nuggets don't have Jeff Green, sort of putting Denver's rotation into a little bit of flux. I think if I were running the unit, I would have started Christian Brown and moved Michael Porter to the four. They didn't do that, and that's fine. They went a different direction, but... I do think that there may be some calls to do that next time. We'll talk about that in the third segment. Instead Denver starts Zeke Nashi who fouls out in 15 minutes. Not a great night from Zeke. So you know you're going to have like without Aaron Gordon. Bruce Brown rolls his ankle, only plays 9 minutes, wasn't good in the time that he was out there. So you know you have to get a big night from your stars. And Denver did get a big night from their stars. We're going to be we're going to begin, excuse me, with Michael Porter who in his third game back has definitely needed a little bit of a boost. He hadn't been shooting well, started this game off 0 for 2, and definitely needed some opportunities to just get up shots, work his way through the struggles, find reasons to continue shooting, generate those open shots, and just trust in your talent, trust in the system to be able to help those shots go down. And he did. The Nuggets were plus 14 in Michael Porter's 30 minutes tonight, leading the team in plus minus. He was very, very... Actually, oh no, KCP led the team in plus minus at plus 16. We'll get to him shortly. Plus 14 for Porter. In 30 minutes, he had 30 points. 12 of 20 from the field. A Kind of a far cry from what the shot distribution usually is. 5 of 9 from 3. Only 1 of 2 from the line. But he did get six rebounds, two assists, two steals, only two turnovers, and I thought just played within the flow of what the Nuggets needed him to do. There were some plays in the previous game against uh, Phoenix where he was trying to force up a three here or there, trusting his talent that way, but maybe not necessarily letting those shots come naturally. I thought that changed against the Kings where. He let those shots come naturally to him, got to his favorite positions, didn't necessarily take any weird pull-ups or anything like that, but got himself into a rhythm in that first quarter at the end. And then when he came back in the second quarter, absolutely shined, was just very, very helpful, very, very good. And he was the reason that the Nuggets stayed in this game. They only scored 20 points, Denver did, in that first quarter. The Kings were up by 12 and they're up by as much as like 17 or 19 in that second quarter. But Denver needed a run and Michael Porter was the catalyst there. He was the guy that when given the opportunity, kind of in the open court, creating shots for himself, others creating shots for him, he was able to take control. I give Bones Highland, I give Nikola Jokic, I give Jamal Murray a lot of credit. Those guys had 11, or, or no, uh, uh, Jokic had 11 assists, Murray had 7 assists, Bones had 6 assists in his 19 minutes. Those guys did a great job of setting the table for the shooters. And Bones, I thought, helped to that in the second quarter specifically with Porter. I know we've been ragging on Bones a little bit. I'll talk about him a little bit more in depth in that second segment, but I thought he did some good things despite the shot not dropping. Porter needed those opportunities to see the ball go through the net, and the Nuggets needed Porter to see the ball go through the net because they needed all of those shots. Every shot that he took, at least I think, every shot that he took was in rhythm, something he's capable of making, and with a not necessarily the strongest contest from the Kings. Like it's a shot that MPJ should be taking within the flow. And he makes those at a very strong rate, and then also played pretty decent defense. Sometimes he was behind Kevin Herter a little bit, sometimes he was behind Malik Monk. But overall, I thought Denver's defense tonight pretty good. They got some shot luck, there's no doubt about that. And Michael Porter probably could have been a little bit better pressing up on the perimeter and defending without fouling. However, the overall product was that Michael Porter had a really solid game. And the Nuggets needed that because Jokic was getting double teamed relentlessly in that first quarter. Every time he caught the ball, opposing team, uh, the Sacramento Kings were doubling because Sabonis wasn't there to really guard him one-on-one. And even then, they probably would have doubled with Sabonis there too. Maybe not as frequently, but pretty pretty much. Jokic only attempted 10 shots in his 37 minutes tonight. He had zero turnovers, though, and was very efficient with how he passed the ball, who he got the ball to, and there were a lot of open shots in the first half that were missed, and then Denver started making those in the second half for sure. Denver finished the game 13 of 37 from three. They were 5 of 21, if I'm not mistaken, in the first half, which means they were 8 of 16 in the second. Denver got those shots under control. They hit the in-rhythm ones. They did what good shooting teams do. They keep shooting. And Jokic was the catalyst for that because every time he touched the ball, the Kings were collapsing. They were not gonna let him beat them as a scorer. And yet, Jokic still found a way to put up 20 points. Seven of ten from the field, six of six from the line, no threes attempted. He was very efficient. Very effective. Only had nine rebounds. How dare he? And then Denver had, or he had 11 assists compared to zero turnovers. What a ratio. I mean, that's that's fantastic. Like you're, you're always going to be good in those situations. And they just needed enough shooters to hit shots around Joker. Like I said, first half, it didn't happen. Second half, it did. And then in the clutch, he and Murray went to work where you've got the two-man game pretty consistently running. I thought Murray did a really good job of finding Jokic in those situations, and sometimes Jokic shot it. Sometimes he kicked it out. There was a very important sequence with about five minutes left. I think the game was tied, where, or maybe Denver had the lead by three, where Murray runs two-man game with Jokic. He sinks down into the middle of the paint right at the dotted line, has his guy buried underneath him. Murray zips the ball into him, But Jokic feels the double team coming from the opposite corner, flips the ball right over there to Vlako Chanchar, who swings it quickly to Michael Porter, who pump fakes, sidesteps, hits a three. Open three. That's what beautiful basketball looks like. That's what the Nuggets are trying to do with Jokic when he's getting doubled as much as he is. You've got to surround him with shooters and cutters. Denver didn't have as many great cutters tonight. Although Porter did have some good ones. Overall, Denver didn't have enough cutters tonight because Jeff Green's not out there. uh, And Aaron Gordon, obviously not out there either. If they were, I think Jokic may have had 15 or 16 assists tonight. Because those shots would have been so easy with the way that Murray Porter and KCP were spacing the floor and making it so that the Kings had to respect that perimeter just as much as they had to respect Jokic on the interior. So, really good stuff from those two specifically. Murray also kind of started the game a little bit slow, just like everybody, Denver kind of started the game slow as a team. But he played 38 minutes tonight, 25 points, 7 assists, 5 rebounds, 2 steals, was a plus 5, only had 1 turnover. 7 of 15 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, 8 of 8 from the line, Murray's been struggling at the line for much of the season. He's been under 80%, which is just so abnormal for him. So to see him go eight of eight on the road with all of those free throws, especially late, being very, very important, that's a really big deal. He's just very calm and collected right now. And the three that he hit with Porter kind of uh, throwing him a little bit of a grenade where Porter couldn't get a shot off clean. And then passed it. uh, Murray catches it, sees Kevin Herter in front of him, dribbles once to his right, and flings up a three that hits. It was just such a backbreaker for the Kings as they had been playing great defense up until that point. And Murray just hits it nonchalantly just because he can, just because that's who he is. And you know that this means so much to Denver. Seeing all three of those guys. 30 points for Porter, 20 points for Jokic, 25 for Murray. Seeing all of those guys play well, shoot an efficient percentage from the field, from three, from the line. It's the vision that the Nuggets have wanted. It's what they have wanted to see from this group that even if the rest of the team doesn't necessarily perform well, KCP uh, started the game like 0 of 6, 0 of 7 or so. Finished the game with 11 points on 12 shots. We'll get to him soon. But none of the rest of the team really played well, especially offensively. I think Flacco had some good moments, but there was just few and far between around Denver's big three. But those guys were enough, and especially against a team like the Kings, where they're without their top star and De'Aaron Fox is just one guy, they were shorthanded. So you knew you just had to get just enough. In order to get past them, and lo and behold, the Nuggets had enough. If they had chosen to just single cover Jokic, this game would have been a little bit different. If they had chosen to uh, just guard Porter a little bit more closely, this game would have been a bit different. They chose to let Porter be the one to beat them, and he did. And to see Porter do that in this situation, where that was the game plan for the Kings, and then for Porter to step up and do it, says a lot to me. It says a lot about where the Nuggets are, and that they can beat teams in a variety of different ways right now. Denver once again locked in defensively at the end of the game. That's what Denver needed. It's what they needed on this particular night. And the team delivered in a different way, which that should excite a lot of Nuggets fans. This wasn't just a shootout. 113, 106. That's fine. That's not even like this game had a pretty fast pace to it as well. Definitely felt like uh Denver had a really strong defensive game. A they forced sixteen turnovers. And Jokic, Murray, and Porter were all just as much a part of it as anybody else. Really good stuff. Really good stuff from the big three. Five wins in a row. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the rest of the starters and the bench and an extended bench unit tonight. But first, add this to your New Year's resolutions. Win money in 2023 with Superbook Sports. Superbook has over three decades of sports wagering experience in Las Vegas, so you'll get the best odds anywhere as we head into the football playoffs. Plus, check out their special odds boosts and promotions at Superbook.com. Make 2023 the year when you win money from Vegas. Download the Superbook app now and place your bets. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. If you can, it'd be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the pod. Five stars on Apple Podcasts would be fantastic. All right, let's go through the rest of the rotation here. I've been trying to balance out these segments because I've noticed that the second segment is often a lot shorter than the first one. So I focused in on the top three guys in the first segment Jokic Murray Porter now let's go to the other two starters we'll start with Zeke Naji who i do not think like i was surprised that he got the start i didn't think that he was the guy that Michael Malone should have gone with i thought it should have been Christian Brown given that the Kings were already small you didn't need that much in order to really match up with them but i get it i do understand you want somebody of like size to be able to guard both Harrison Barnes and Keegan Murray and Zeke Nagy, I thought, actually did a reasonable job against Harrison Barnes when he was out there. Unfortunately, he got hit with a couple of ticky-tack fouls early, including an and one that Harrison Barnes hit, unlucky. Uh, I think when he came back in, got hit with another foul, and then had a couple in the third and a couple, or one in the fourth, or vice versa. And it just sort of piled up where he wasn't great. And you look at the final line, zero points, 0-3 from the field. Six rebounds is good. 15 minutes, six rebounds. That's something that he can provide, especially when he's playing power forward. Jokic is up top. Zeke can be under the baseline a little bit. Zeke also staggered with the second unit to be the backup center in that second segment. Uh, DeAndre Jordan played only in the first half, if I if my rotation chart, if I... I'm sure that was true. Yes, that was correct. DeAndre only played in the first half. Zeke played backup center in the second half. And I thought Denver's defense, especially to begin that fourth quarter, was way better. That uh, they were able to limit the number of open shots that the Kings were able to get, and he was a part of that. Uh, Davon Reed had some good moments in that as well. Ultimately, though, not the best night from Naji. I think this was an opportunity for him to step up, hit a couple outside shots, make a couple of athletic defensive plays. Didn't really see that much. So we'll see if Michael Malone sticks with him in the starting lineup tomorrow. I'm not sure if he will. Um, and I'm not sure if Aaron Gordon will even be back. He might be. We'll talk about that in the third segment. But I do think that Zeke, like it shouldn't just define him for this particular game. I'd like to see him get another consistent opportunity. If he doesn't do well in that one, then we'll have to have a conversation, I think, about what Denver does with their backup big man spot, because that is becoming a little bit of an issue here, or kind of has been. KCP really started this game slow as well. Okay defense, not necessarily his best. Both De'Aaron Fox and Kevin Herter went off today. Very efficient games for both of them. Although eight turnovers combined between the two of them, which I think was a big deal. KCP was a part of that. It wasn't his best defensive game. Did have a steal and a block, but uh and was a plus sixteen, so I am I just kind of saying words here? I don't know. I don't think that it was his best defensive game. I think that he could have done a better job staying attached at various points. But for the most part, Fox and Herter, they were trying to attack Weaker points in Denver's defense, not necessarily KCP himself. On the offensive end, though, KCP started the game really slow, 0 of 8, I think maybe 0 of 7 to begin the game, and finished the game with 11 points, 4 of 12 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3. Also had three turnovers, including one where he rose up for a mid-range jumper and then decided mid-jump to try to pass it to Joker on the roll. Unfortunately, Joker had already turned around and was trying to go for the offensive rebound. And KCP hit the back of Joker and turned the ball over as a result. I'm not sure if that's Joker's fault. I think it's KCP's fault for jumping in the air and trying to pass. But because he was open on the play, I'm kind of surprised that that was the route that he took. Unfortunately, uh, well, I mean, yeah, it, it is what it is. He's allowed a bad game here or there. Still managed to find other ways to be successful with three rebounds, three assists, one steal, one block. So not a complete loss here. And also just one of those guys that you trust. He hit a clutch three off of a Jamal Murray kickout in the clutch, and that was probably the three that sealed the deal. Made sure that the Kings couldn't really come back from the deficit that they had already incurred at that point. So he's a part of it. For better or for worse k c p is going to be the guy that the nuggets trust in these situations, and I honestly think better. I think he's just very steady in general that these kinds of performances aren't really like they're they're kind of abnormal, so it's good to see him maybe get this one out of the way. I'm sure he'll be much better tomorrow. Bruce Brown, we'll start with him. Bruce Brown only played nine minutes he was on minus thirteen, and at the end of his nine minutes stint. He rolled his ankle, believe he jumped up into the air, faked like he was going to uh, put up a floater and then passed it out. When he came down, his ankle buckled under his weight, and then he exited the game. Initially, he was questionable to return, but ultimately they held him out. My guess is that that continues to bloat up a little bit on the overnight, and it's going to be very sore and tender in the morning. They're probably just going to hold him out and not, not want to play him in the second night of a back-to-back. I would expect him to miss, and I would expect Denver to – like because I don't think he's missed a game yet so far this year. So I would expect him to get a night off and for the Nuggets to kind of have to make it work around him. But before that, it was not a good Bruce Brown game. Really, really not. A uh, couple missed wide-open threes. Did have a nice transition layup that he took up, had a turnover, and he continues to not be the level of defender that I think the Nuggets were hoping for so far. Honestly, the defensive rating that he has, I thought it was just because of the, of the circumstances where sometimes he's playing small forward. Sometimes he's playing out, like because he's out of position or because he's with a bad defensive lineup, that it's really dragging down his ratings. I'm not sure if that's entirely the case. He's part of the contributions to it. And his defensive rating, I think, is the second worst on the team, if I'm not mistaken, uh, behind Bones Highland, who is not helping himself there. But Bruce Brown has not been the defender that I think I hoped for. He's had moments, he's had pockets of time where he's really filled up the box score, where he has gotten into the grill of a ball handler or whatnot. But for whatever reason, he had opportunities to match up with Darren Fox and Darren Fox did whatever he wanted. And Malik Monk was fine in those situations. Davion Mitchell was fine in those situations. I'm a little bit surprised. Like there's a reason why he was a minus 13. He was part of why Denver was down. So going to have to keep a closer eye on that. Bones Highland, 19 minutes tonight, 2 of 9 from the field, 1 of 7 from 3, 6 assists, 1 turnover, was a minus 7, uh, had 5 points, 6 assists, 1 rebound. Not a good game. I don't want to stretch this, but I did think, like I said in the first segment, that there were some good moments for Bones. Good playmaking moments, passing moments from Bones where he's creating off the dribble for himself and others. And honestly, I thought the others really was the primary focus tonight. He missed some wide open threes, especially off the catch, where like those are shots that he's probably going to hit more often than not going forward. Just kind of missing them right now. But six assists to one turnover. And I thought he did some good things as a creator. I thought he, he knifed into the paint a couple times and hit DeAndre Jordan at one point. Uh, actually a couple points, swung it over to the weak side for threes. Had some nice moments as a passer. Six assists, I'm going to have to watch them all back just to make sure I'm not crazy. But I didn't get the impression that Bones was bad, at least on the offensive end. I know that he was missing shots and I know that that's going to kind of dominate everything. But I thought he was knifing into the paint pretty well and creating pretty well. So that's a good step in the right direction, even when the shot isn't dropping. Now, the defense is another story. I, I still I don't know what he does defensively. Often out of position. When he's in position, he kind of gets out muscled. He fouls. There are certain situations where it's very clear just how, how physical you are supposed to be. And he often crosses the line in those situations or isn't physical enough. Still hasn't really learned that balance and is a little bit too frenetic on that end for my taste. I wanted to work with him. I really do. And I'm willing to wait out the shooting struggles in order to see it happen, especially while Murray uh, is still working his way back. But there are going to be times where, I mean, Murray's been up over 12, like 12 straight games where he's been up over 30 minutes. In the playoffs, Denver can survive without Bones Highland if they need to. Like you just slide over Bruce Brown to the point guard spot. In the minutes that Murray doesn't play. And then Murray's going to play 35 to 40 minutes on a likelihood in most of those games. So it's tough. I want Bones to work it out. I want him to. And like I said, I'm willing to wait it out. But he's got to help himself. And the defense is part of that. There are certain things that he can't control. I'll give him credit for the offensive end where he's creating off the dribble for others pretty well. But if he can't, fix what's going on defensively, then it's just never going to happen this year. So hopefully it happens. I'm I'm willing to wait it out. Um, who next? Let's go with Vlacko. Vlacko played 30 minutes tonight. Zeke Naji played 15, half of them at power forward, half of them at center. Probably a little bit over half of them at power forward, but Vlacko played the majority of the other minutes at power forward tonight. And without Aaron Gordon, without Jeff Green, it was very important for him to be out there. He wasn't like a high-volume shot taker. He wasn't a high-volume rebounder or passer. He didn't make a ton of plays defensively, though he did get the defensive player of the game chain. I'm not really sure where that came from, but it did, and that's fine. But 30 minutes, and he was helpful. Eight points, four rebounds, three assists, one turnover three of five from the field, two of three from three. The two threes that he hit were in the fourth quarter. One of them was in the corner. One of them was on the break. And just very, very important threes within the flow of what the Nuggets were doing. And I love to see that from him because he just continues to show a high level of confidence in these situations in his shot. And it's never going to be like, Blowing you away, unless he's defending Shea Gildas Alexander, apparently. But I did like what I saw from him. I thought that he switched well. I thought that for the most part, Denver got exactly what they wanted. The Kings only had ten offensive or eight offensive rebounds tonight. Denver won the rebounding battle just barely. And Vlaco just felt like he was a part of what Denver was doing, kind of the fourth or fifth option to whatever was going on. And that's the perfect role for him. So as long as he continues to prop up those lineups in that way, then there's no reason why he can't fill in these minutes while Jeff Green is out or Aaron Gordon is out. So we'll see if that continues. DeAndre Jordan played the first seven minutes of the backup center spot. Zeke Nagy played the next four minutes uh, in that fourth quarter, basically. Jokic came in and played 37 minutes, and so there were only 11 to go around really there. But DeAndre, he was fine. Got a couple steals. I'm not sure how that happened, but uh, four points, one rebound, two steals was a minus eight. Didn't really feel like he was super helpful. Felt like he was the byproduct of what was going on with Bones. And didn't really make up for a lot of the negative stuff on the defensive end. So I'm glad that Denver went with a little bit smaller of a unit. I think that really helped. Uh, yeah, think that I think that helped. I don't think the DJ should play that much. Seven minutes is fine. Denver can survive seven minutes. Um, Ish Smith jumped in and had three minutes. That was interesting. Not a lot going on there, but three minutes was a plus five. Really, just part of what was going on. D. Reed. Had nine minutes in this game, all of those in the second half. That was ma- mostly a byproduct of Bruce Brown going out, so don't really take that for much. But he did hit a clutch three. That was important. Uh, I think it was off of an offensive rebound as well. So big kick out, clutch three in that fourth quarter. Good for D Reed for hitting that. Two rebounds, including an offensive one. Also had two steals. Thought he was a, a good part of what they were doing, though I don't think it's going to be consistent. Um, Christian Brown wasn't initially in the rotation at the beginning of the game, but did get in in the second quarter, got it in, in the third quarter. Not really sure why he didn't get in in the fourth quarter. I thought that Denver was going to close with Christian Brown. They decided to close with Latko along with the other four starters outside of Najee. And that's fine. Like that was what was working at the time. And can't really argue with those clutch results. Those were really, really good. But Christian Brown at the end of the second quarter was one of the main reasons why Denver got back into this game. Four points in 14 minutes, two of four from the field. Misses only three. Also missed an and one. Uh, So the the outside shot shooting needs a little bit of help here. But three rebounds, including an offensive, two assists, one steal, one block. Plus seven in 14 minutes. Quite literally the margin. Quite literally the margin of what Denver needed. They were plus seven in the game. Chris. Christian Brown was plus seven in the game. And it sort of feels to me like Denver's been making some excuses, and Malone's been making some excuses to not really get Christian Brown a ton of minutes. I feel like without Aaron Gordon, without Jeff Green, I know that Christian Brown is more of a wing than a forward, but it shouldn't be that hard. Like Michael Porter played some of his best basketball sliding over to the four with Christian Brown at the three. I'm surprised that Denver didn't go back to that lineup because it felt like the Murray, KCP, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Nicole Jokic lineup felt like that absolutely cooked. And I hope that they can get back to it at some point. It feels like a very reasonable lineup for Denver to go to without Aaron Gordon because Christian Brown's going to provide that extra hustle. And it's more of a wing focus while putting Porter into a slightly better position to succeed at the four. So. I hope it's something that they try to go to again. Uh, We will see if they do, but I liked what I saw. And yeah, I think that's everybody. I think I I got everybody. Bruce, Flacco, DeAndre, Ish, Bones, D. Reed, and Christian Brown. 12 players. 12 players played in this rotation. Looks like all 12 active players. I didn't realize that Peyton Watson was not active. Uh, Very interesting to see all 12 guys get in. I don't think that's going to happen going forward. I don't think that Denver will have 12 guys available next game, but we will see. We will see what ultimately happens. It was a good game, good professional win. Excited to see what the Nuggets do going forward. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about tomorrow's game as well as Denver's ceiling and what they're starting to prove. We'll be right back. Back, final segment pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. I want to just correct myself here, real quick. Uh, Brendan Vogue, uh, a good friend over at DNVR, he brought up a good point uh, in the post game tweets that KCP dealing with a sprained shooting wrist and was probable, but clearly that may have been affecting him tonight. I know that that's a new thing, that's not necessarily something that I had really paid attention to at the beginning. So feels like a pretty reasonable excuse to not necessarily hit a bunch of shots, even when they're open. Like that's, that's going to be a tough thing to manage. So hopefully that gets healed. Hopefully, like, I'm not sure if he's going to be able to over the course of these next couple of games, but he's a professional. He should be able to work through it. But even if he doesn't, that feels like a reason for why it may not be going the way that the Nuggets were hoping. Okay. The Nuggets ceiling. They are 22-11. and 11. They are first in the West. It feels like they're turning a little bit of a corner here. They have the fourth best point differential in the West. Not necessarily anything glowing. Uh, it's tied for the 10th best point differential overall with the fighting New York Knicks. So, I don't know. Maybe that's like the Knicks just got clowned tonight by Luka Doncic for 60-21-10. That is that is unreal. I thought the Joker stat line was going to be one of the best. Nah, that is even better. It's, it's incredible. Um, but either way, Denver is starting to put themselves into that class that I was hoping for. The defense has kind of come alive here. The offense has stayed where it is. And the Nuggets as a team have found ways to win, especially in the clutch hasn't necessarily felt like all season that they were clutch killers, but over the course of these past few games, they have really locked down in those situations and uh, just found ways to be successful. And the confidence is continuing to rise with that group where Jokic and Murray playing the way that they're playing. It's always going to yield a pretty good look. Didn't have Aaron Gordon tonight, but he has been extremely important for what the Nuggets have done in the clutch. He's been very efficient and very effective. And then when Porter's hitting shots like he is, just in rhythm, very comfortable, not necessarily being asked to do a whole heck of a lot, but when he does get those three-point opportunities to be able to capitalize on them, that's a big deal. Denver is currently tied for the second-best record in the, West, in the in NBA entirely. They're first in the West, tied for second in the NBA. The Celtics have separated themselves as, I think, the team to beat. But the Nuggets and the Bucks are currently tied in the win-loss columns, twenty-two and eleven, and this is without Denver playing their best basketball. I think they're they're in that process of developing into that. But despite kind of hemming and hawing for a while with the effort and the focus on the defensive end, they've moved up to twenty-third in defense. They are twelve and three at home, ten and eight on the road. Um, The Clippers now have a 10-8 and record on the road as well. So they are the only two teams, the uh, the Clippers and the Nuggets, to have a positive win-loss on the road. And Denver still got the best home record. So there is something to be said, or actually slightly, uh, like Memphis is 13-3, Denver's 12-3. So it's close. It's close. But Denver's finding ways. And I think we knew that they could be this good. There's no doubt that with the defense kind of moving along into the direction we thought it could be, that Denver has proven now that they can be a force. Their ceiling is as high as anybody's. When Joker's this good, it's clear that Denver's baseline for a while has been a playoff team. Now that Murray's kind of rolling back into form, the Nuggets are a conference finals caliber team. They are at least capable of getting to that point. Now, when Michael Porter is fitting in perfectly, we've not really seen that quite yet. We haven't seen what that means, where those first two things are happening and Michael Porter is fitting in. We haven't seen it. So it's possible that the ceiling for this team might be even higher than just a conference finals team. And when Aaron Gordon is also dominating on the inside, we haven't seen that either. We saw one, then four. We saw what happens when Joker's really good and Aaron Gordon's dominating. We've seen what happens when Joker and Murray are playing at the levels that they are, but we haven't seen all four of those things happen. And if Denver can get to a point, health-wise, knock on wood, uh, physically, mentally, just just find themselves into a way where they can be as comfortable playing together and in those different combinations as they need to be. I don't know if anybody has that level of ceiling. I think that Denver is finding themselves here where they are just continuously scratching the surface. You have better pieces. You're better built for this than you have been in years past where you added KCP and Bruce Brown, even if the fit on like Bruce Brown specifically hasn't been perfect. I think that Denver is still finding ways to be successful with that group. Christian Brown, fitting and well. Bones Highland, even if he's not playing to his best, is still a pretty good player when he's on. Jeff Green, when he's back healthy, can be very helpful. It's nine guys, 10 guys already. Like, we're, I think Denver's in a pretty good spot. I think they're capable at that point. Of saying, yeah, we can be just as deep and just as capable as any team in the Western Conference. So that ceiling is going to continue to propel them, I think. I think it's going to, as I've talked about previously, it's going to put a target on their backs where teams are going to look up at them and think, okay, this is the team that we have to take down. But Denver being at the top here, I think they need this experience, honestly. I think they need to start believing in themselves that they are the best. Because I think that they've had those questions. They haven't really known. Sure, they've they've had pockets of time, like 2020, 21, where they traded for Aaron Gordon, they had those four and a half games, whatever. And they're like, okay, we believe based off of this stretch that w- if we were just healthy, we could be a really great team, maybe the best team. But now you're starting to get that prolonged period of time of, hey, this team might actually be the best team. But you've got to play it out. You've got to go through those ups and downs. You've got to understand how those pieces fit together and who can step up in various times. Is it always going to be Jokic? Is it always going to be two-man game? Or could it just be finding those cuts at the right time with Porter spacing the floor or also cutting under the rim? Is it Aaron Gordon screening for Joker, and then the other guy spacing? Is it KCP making defensive plays and then just splashing threes on the outside when the ball comes to him? Is that just it, or can Denver mix and match with their current group and find other ways that they can be successful? Because you better know that the opposing teams that Denver faces in the playoffs this year are going to do everything they can to try to take away Denver's best punch. Whether they can or not, that remains to be seen. But that's what they're going to look to do. And that's going to be with the starting lineup. That's going to be joker post-ups. That's going to be two-man game. And then other teams will deal with whatever happens after that. But Denver's got to be able to go to their fourth and fifth best stuff and keep going down the list. So it's good that they're getting these experiences. Okay, you don't have Aaron Gordon for a little bit. Here's what you do. Here's how Michael Porter can fit into that conversation. Here's what Christian Brown can do when you play a little bit smaller. Here's what Zeke Nagy can do in this situation. Maybe not great, but at least you're learning. At least you're figuring stuff out. So I'm good if Denver keeps resting, guys, if they keep cycling through. And there will be times where you work on specific things to be clear. And there are going to be times where you just want the full squad. To be able to get through it, but because Denver has done their work and because they have put themselves into a position where they are first in the West, have won five straight games, or in our eight and two in their last ten, because they have done that, they've given themselves the flexibility to be able to bring guys like Aaron Gordon along slowly, sit Jamal Murray if necessary, take Michael Porter Jr.'s minutes off, and just reduce those a little bit. Hopefully, they can do the same thing with Joker, but him only taking 10 shots and not necessarily having to do too much in order for the team to win. That's great. That's great. You want more games like this. Absolutely. So, really good stuff from Denver. I think they're built for this. I think this is going to be a really good year, and it's all about just continuing to push through and just approaching things the right way. So here's what I'd expect tomorrow. You're playing the Kings again. You're going to go through the same process. I would expect Aaron Gordon to be back, but maybe they just give him the extra rest day because you won, you did what you had to do, and that was at least split against the Kings. You'd like to win the second game too, but it's not as necessary. And so you expect that, okay, maybe AG plays, maybe he doesn't. If they sit him, I'd personally just start Vlaco if he's going to play 30 minutes and I'd move Zeke back to bench center. Don't mess with his role. Keep trying to get him to play well with the bench unit and see if he can find some more creativity and ability to help out that bench. I also think that Murray sits. I would be shocked if he plays personally because the Training staff, I think, has to be. I think they have to put their foot down on this one. I know that Murray's going to want to play, but he's averaged 40 minutes per game in the three games that he's had since returning from that injury management. All he's going to do is prove that he can play through pain. I don't think he needs to prove that. I think that he's already done that. And the best thing for him to do is probably to sit and to be better. In the coming games, where you have to play Miami, then you've got to play Boston, and then if you want to play against Minnesota on the road on the back to back, then then do that. but I think you set this king's game personally. I think that Bruce Brown, with his status is unknown, he would get the started point guard if Murray sat if he's not going to play, then that changes things, but if he does play. Bruce Brown starts at point guard, and you might get an Ish plus Bones backcourt on the second unit. You don't want to stagger Bruce. You want to play him like 25 to 28 minutes, and I would rather see Ish and Bones play together where you can get those creators together. You don't necessarily have to do anything crazy, and then I'd stagger MPJ personally. Play Christian Brown, MPJ, Zeke next to Ish and Bones. And then you've got a pretty solid second unit. I think that there have been decisions to not play Christian Brown's minutes for some reason. I think they've got to find ways to play him. If you decide that you have to go big, I understand. But if not, I would start Christian Brown at small forward and move Michael Porter to power forward. Just see how that combination works for an extended period of time. Let's say Murray does play. You can play Murray, KCP, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Nikola Jokic. And if that lineup crushes and is like plus 20 in 30 minutes or 25 minutes, then that's something that you can try. That's something you can go to again. That'd be great. But I feel like Christian Brown has to play more, especially if other guys are sitting. If Murray's sitting, if AG is still out, if Bruce Brown maybe sits. Think you just gotta play Christian Brown thirty plus minutes. Like, do it, dare you? Don't know about Sabonis. He didn't play in this last game. If he does play, I think Joker will have to be more aggressive. The Kings are better when Sabonis plays. He's just really, really good, and Joker's gonna have his hands full. If not, then you may see more of the same, where the Kings double Joker, try to get the ball out of his hands. But I've got to imagine that Sabonis doesn't play simply because it's like a, the thumb injury that he has got to play through a lot of pain. So I would just rather see him not play the Galp's Denver. And then hopefully Michael Porter can just repeat that performance. You want to see what Michael Porter can do over a prolonged period of time. If he could repeat what he did and do something similar in the next game, that'll mean a lot because the Kings will have had time to talk about what they do in those situations. And if Porter can still find ways to get free, generate open shots for himself and others, that'll show some progress to me. He's also just got to play defense. I know it's a back-to-back. I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be a shootout tomorrow in all likelihood. But I have to imagine that MPJ can do it again. We'll see if he does. But for now, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Brought to you by Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. As always, I'll be back tomorrow after the game, recapping everything that happens. We will see if it's the same result or if something even crazier happens. You never know. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Talk to you guys tomorrow.